Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you've all had a good week. And already, even just in joining us this morning, you're feeling lifted by coming together in worship. If you've tuned in before, you'll know that over the last few weeks, our focus has been on spiritual disciplines as a church and how these disciplines help us not only to survive at this time, but to thrive as well. But as we met a number of weeks ago now as a ministry team, we recognised that what would happen was that a shift was likely to take place and that inevitably we would all start to become more affected by the events that are going on around about us. And that therefore we would have to think about how as a church we respond pastorally in the midst of this situation. It's probably now the case that many of us will know someone who has either been really ill or who has passed away from COVID-19. Many of us will probably as well know someone who has really struggled with their mental health during the last wee while. Many of us will also just be struggling with family tensions or being at home or simply feeling like we just can't cope with lockdown for much longer. And we wanted a preaching to address some of these things. So for this reason, we've decided to take a wee look at the book of Psalms, certainly for the next few weeks at least. And before we start this morning by just jumping right into Psalm, I want us to give a few words of introduction about the book of Psalms that will hopefully give us some background that we can use for the weeks to come as we look through some Psalms together. Well, firstly, the book of Psalms is one of the longest, biggest books of the Bible. It's got 150 chapters in it. And it's actually very relevant because a lot of these chapters were written at times of crisis for God's people. Whether that crisis was war or exile or whether it was a personal crisis for the people who were writing it, much of it was written at a time of crisis. And actually, the Psalms are primarily a book of songs that God's people composed and sang in Old Testament times. It was almost like the hymn book of the time or the worship songs of the time. I know a lot of people these days have got worship playlists on their phones. In some ways, the Psalms were a bit like the worship playlist of God's people in the Old Testament. This was the songs that they used both individually and corporately to connect with God. And actually, just as a wee side note this morning, it's worth us realising that many of the hymns and the songs that we sing in church are actually deeply influenced by, or in some cases just contain words taken straight from the book of Psalms. But the main reason that we settled on preaching through some of the Psalms is this, it's because they help us to express ourselves well before God. Two writers that I've read a lot of this week, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, put it like this, the Psalms help with the godly articulation of even our strongest feelings. They cover almost every emotion. You'll find joy, thanksgiving and worship in the Psalms, yet you'll also see sorrow and pain and anger and even loss. You'll find anxiety and fear and what even looks sometimes very much like depression in the Psalms. This is actually what I love about them, that they never just hide from the difficult realities of life. They're not like an Instagram or a, a Facebook picture that just show all the good stuff when everyone's happy and the kids are playing well together and the grass is cut and all that kind of stuff. They're gritty and honest and real. And it's almost like they give voice to the cries of our souls. 
And when I say soul, I mean the very deepest part of us. And that's why we've given this series the name Soul Songs. So this is why we're going to be looking at the Psalms. At a time when we are faced with lots of different feelings and emotions, some good and some difficult, we want to learn how to be real and authentic and how we can communicate those feelings to God in the midst of this time. And it's our hope that this season of teaching helps you and equips you for all the things that you face in this season of life. So we'll be keeping the focus in the Psalms and our morning devotions as well on Facebook and maybe even in some of our community touchpoint sessions as well. And we're also every week going to do something a little bit different for our song worship times. Every week we will be led in singing one psalm together. Now I mentioned earlier on that this was something psalms were sung a lot during the Old Testament times by God's people. But actually there are many churches right across the world today and even here in our nation of Scotland that would still sing the psalms in their original form as their main source of music and singing in corporate worship times. And in these traditions it's often unaccompanied. So it might be a wee bit different for us to sing without any instruments but I encourage you this morning to really engage with it and let it enrich your worship and your experience of God. So we're going to start this morning by singing together Psalm 100, which is a very commonly sung psalm in other church traditions. And Martin, Martin Fraser and Davy are going to lead us as we do this this morning. So let's worship together by singing together Psalm 100. Well, thank you, Trevor and Maggie, for reading that out for us. So this psalm that we are starting with today, it's a very simple psalm, and it's a short one. There's only six verses in Psalm 15. And you might already be able to tell that it's not a very happy psalm. It's very different in feel from the one that we sang earlier on. And that's actually because there are lots of different types of psalms. But this one, Psalm 13, is what would be called a psalm of lament. And there's actually 42 of these types of psalms in the entire book of 150. And what this type of psalm does is it expresses our sorrow before God. And it's actually a really good example of a typical psalm of lament because it gives a really clear structure that these types of psalms often follow. So what we're going to do is we're going to split the psalm into three sections and look at two verses at a time and hopefully see the structure and the progression of the psalm. So it starts in verses 1 and 2 with the problem, where the person writing the psalm, in this case King David, when the person writing the psalm openly and honestly expresses pain and sorrow before God. This part of this type of psalm, which we're calling the problem, is sometimes called also the complaint. It then goes on in verses 3 and 4 to turn to petition, where the writer calls out to God, asking God for help, asking for God to rescue them. And then finally, in verses 5 and 6, we see praise, or the turnaround, where as a result of the first two parts of the psalm, the writer turns to worship and praise God. So first this morning we're going to look a little bit at King David's problem in verses 1 and 2 or his 
complaint before God. And I realise that for many of us, this idea of the Bible containing complaint might seem a wee bit weird. But actually, this is something we have to get used to quickly about the Psalms and recognise that God wants us to be honest with him. When we're upset or we're struggling or angry, the last thing God wants us to do is to give him the silent treatment or to go in a wee huff with him for a few days, anything like that. Instead, what the Psalms show, and this is what we'll see today, is that expressing our real honest feelings before God inevitably leads to a shift, to something turning around in our lives. And what these Psalms of Lament say is that when you pour out your problems to God and when you bear your soul to him and you ask him for help, then God starts to turn you around. He starts to lift you out of the problem and he changes your perspective totally. So let's look at exactly what David's problem or his complaint was here. Well, he says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, lots of writers and scholars have speculated, but the truth is that we don't necessarily know what is happening in David's life in the background that makes him say this. But the first thing that we can see is that King David isn't sensing God's presence. It's definitely not a happy time in his life. He feels forgotten by God. He feels like God is hiding his face from him. He's wrestling in his thought life and he has sorrow in his heart. And to add to all this, he feels like his enemies are triumphing over him. Now remember that David in his role as king would have been a military leader as well and therefore having enemy nations and enemies around about him was a reality for him. So that's the first thing we see. The second thing we see in David's complaint is that he clearly has issues with God's timing. And the fact that this problem of not sensing God's presence is ongoing, that it hasn't just been a wee quick fix that he can get rid of. Four times in two verses, he says the words, how long? The message puts it a bit more bluntly as it often does, and it translates the words, how long, as long enough, God. But here's the amazing thing about the Psalms. In many ways, I don't really have to do much of our job in preaching because it's so easy to see ourselves in these words and to be able to apply this. How often have you wanted to feel God close but simply haven't? How often have you went through dry seasons in your Christian life where it's felt like your prayers are hitting a brick wall? And how often has it been the case that these situations and times have lasted far longer than you thought God in his mercy would allow Maybe even you're sitting there thinking that lockdown has been one of these times for you. And this is what I very simply want us to remember from the first two verses. The Bible understands us. Just in case you ever think that the Bible is full of amazing people who have it all together and lived their life so close to God all the time, then here's this psalm. The King of Israel, one of the most respected figures in all of Christian history, saying honestly to God that he doesn't sense his presence close. And not only that, but that he hasn't done for quite a long time. 
And because these moments are in the Bible, because they haven't been edited out, it gives us permission to, in the same way, voice our frustration to God, to pour out our problems, and yes, sometimes to pour out even our complaints to him. To not let anything fester, but to get honest and real with God. So just in closing this section, I want to encourage you to do this all the more in this really weird period that we find ourselves in. Where there's all sorts of feelings and emotions going around. I'm not sure about you, but I think I've felt every emotion possible over the past four to five weeks. But what God longs for is that we don't go silent. That we don't just hide our feelings from him, but that we present him with the problem. That we take our complaints to him and that we then watch what happens after we've done that. And that's what we're going to see in the next two sections that we're going to go into a bit later this morning. Well, the last petition I remember signing was a good few years ago. And it was to do with this building that you're going to see just now on the screen. So I'm going to give you a few seconds at home to see if you can recognise it. I'll make it a wee bit like a, a lockdown Zoom quiz for you and see who gets it right. Okay, that's your time up now. If you haven't got it, then I'll tell you this is the Winter Gardens in Tollcross Park. And it's been derelict now for a number of years. And a lot of people have been keen to see it open up again. So a few years ago there was an online petition to restore it and I have to say that I signed this petition. And the petition was submitted to the council and it stated all the reasons that the winter gardens should be restored and I asked that the council would give serious thought to all these reasons and arguments. And I have to say as I read through that the, the arguments were very clear and very well thought out. Unfortunately, in this case, it didn't happen, but I'm still holding out a wee bit of hope that it might happen at some time in the future. But what we have in verses 2 to 4 today of this psalm is similar in some ways. King David has moved from the problem to the petition. He's now asking God to help him. He's petitioning God to help him. He says this, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And what David is doing here is he is petitioning God with well thought through arguments. He's actually giving God reasons that he should answer him. It looks a little bit cheeky in some ways but again it's there in the Bible, it's not been edited out, it's there for us to learn from. He tells God in verse 3 to answer him or he'll die, no pressure. And then in verse 4, he's pleading on behalf of his honour and by association God's honour as well, by telling God that people will rejoice in his downfall. Now firstly, it's obvious, but it's worth saying that God isn't going to ignore David unless he gives him good reasons to answer him. But what this psalm is saying is that God loves when his children pray thoughtfully. This is telling us to engage our brains as well as our hearts in prayer. Now, so often as Christians, what happens is we fall into this kind of either-or mentality. We can end up doing this with lots of things in the Christian life, and it can often cause unnecessary division. And it can even happen a little bit with prayer. 
You'll have some people who will argue that prayer ought to be a thoughtful activity where you present logic and you articulate yourself clearly before God. Basically in doing that, they're saying it's all about the brain. But yet you'll have others who say that prayer ought to be full of passion, driven by your feelings and their emotions. And essentially it should be a heart activity rather than a brain activity. Well, in this psalm we've read this morning, Psalm 13, we have a great answer. The Old Testament scholar Dale Ralph Davis says this. He says, this psalm implies that especially in prayer, you must hold both emotion and reason together. You see, what you have in verses 1 and 2 is you have the passion and the emotion before God. You have the soul crying out. In fact, as we read verses 1 and 2, you can almost imagine David weeping as he wrote these verses down. How long, Lord, he says four times. But then in verses 3 and 4, there's a shift, there's a movement towards logic and reason in David's petition. As he petitions God and presents his arguments to God as to why he should be answered. And here's what we can learn. There should be no either or when it comes to these two ways of praying. Rather, God longs for us to do both. I want to encourage us to hold these things together in tension. To be people who pray in a way that engages our feelings before God and, and who really allow our emotions to be drawn into it but also to be people that pray in a way that is thoughtful and reasoned, in a way that uses the minds, the intellect that God has given to us. So that's the first two sections of this psalm this morning, the problem and the petition. What we'll do just now is we'll sing again, and then we'll close with looking at the final section, where David turns from the problem and the petition to praise and worship of God. So in our first two sections this morning, we've had the problem that David faced, firstly in verses 1 and 2, that he didn't sense God's presence and help in his life. And then we've had the petition in verses 3 to 4, where he structures a well-crafted, thoughtful request to God to rescue him. And now we have these final two verses where David turns to praise God. He says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And this section starts with an amazing and defiant use of the word but, where David turns around and declares his trust in God, where he remembers God's unfailing love, where he remembers his salvation, where he remembers all of God's goodness in the past. Now you might look at these verses 5 and 6 and think how on earth did David get here from where he started? It's almost like a different person that you see in verse 1 and then in verse 6. But this is actually what happens time and time again with these Psalms of Lament that we're speaking about. There's 42 of them as I mentioned earlier and even though they all start or have a main section that is full of complaint to God or the problems that that person is facing, Almost all of them finish with an amazing turnaround to praise and worship at the end. And this turnaround comes from the fact that God meets his people in the midst of their problems and their sorrows 
and he turns them back to praise him. In this psalm, it's almost like God takes David's head that was low, that was down, and lifts it back up again. Just to go back to the last few weeks a wee bit, this is why the spiritual disciplines that we've looked at over the last wee while are so important. Because sometimes, even when we don't want to do things that we know we need to do, we do them anyway. Because so often God meets us in the midst and turns us round to worship and praise him. A couple of examples there. How many times have you got up in the morning and felt, oh, I can't be bothered reading my Bible today. But you've got up and you've done it anyway. And you felt God speaking to you. And you felt the massive benefit of starting your day with that. Or how many times have you thought, oh, I'll just give life group a wee miss tonight. And I'll maybe just watch Netflix on the couch instead. But instead, you've, you've went anyway. You've been disciplined and it's been exactly what you've needed and God has spoke to you and met you as you've done that. This is what these Psalms today teach us to do. Even when we don't want to, we ought to pour out our souls to God and let him know all the ways that we're struggling. Even when everything within us just would rather ignore God or go in a wee sulk or do what the recovery tradition calls the death by duvet approach where we just shut everyone out. I'm convinced that King David wouldn't have got to these last two verses of praise in verses 5 and 6 without verses 1 to 4. Without him first doing that hard part of getting himself before God and letting all of that emotion out in his presence. And then from that place, forming a request to him. Well, today as we close, I'd want to encourage you to let this be a pattern for your prayer life, especially when you're struggling. It's looking like we're facing more difficult days ahead. There are three more weeks of lockdown that have just been announced. And many more of us, as I mentioned earlier, are starting to be aware of the reality of illness and even death in those close to us. So, a reminder of this pattern. Pour out your heart to God in these difficult days. Let him know the problems that you're feeling. Articulate exactly what's wrong in your life. And then from that place, formulate your petition to him. Think about what you want him to do for you. Ask him for his help. And then let him lift your head and turn you back towards him in praise and worship for who he is and for all that he's done. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a people who are honest before you. Lord, may we pour out our souls to you about the problems that we face in our lives, about the struggles that we might have. And Lord, from that place of bearing our souls to you, would you hear our requests? And just like we read this morning, would you look upon us and answer us? And God, please, always would you turn us back around to you in these situations? And would you lift up our heads and our hearts and praise and worship and cause us to remember who you are and what you have already done in our lives. Amen. Well, we're going to finish this morning with a song that you might have heard this week or you might have even seen in the video uh, that Emma shared on our Monday devotion. And it's a song that speaks out words of blessing that were commonly used by God's people to speak over one another in the Old Testament times. 
And I want to encourage us, as we sing together this song this morning, to sing these words over your family, over your church family, your neighbours, your friends, your colleagues, and ask that God would be close to us and them as we continue to seek him in the days that follow.